Hi, everybody. It's Mark Middleton with Bill Schaefer. Glad to have you with us here on Growing Boulder. This is a program that will show you that it's never too late to live your life to the fullest. Changes, important changes, are within reach of all of us. And also, no matter what our situation, we can make a difference in the lives of others and in the world around us. Over the next hour, you'll hear how others found the inspiration and the courage to make it happen in their own life. And hopefully, it will light the spark that makes you realize it can happen for you, too. And on this program, you know her from the movie Back to the Future. And remember the TV show Caroline in the City and Switched at Birth? Leah Thompson will be here to tell us about a project that, for her, truly is a family affair. And then inspiration from a woman in her 70s who's considered the queen of Ironman competitions, how she didn't even start until she was 50. And we'll take the water with a group of guys in their 70s called the Barefoot Jersey Boys. But first, we start with the man you know as Hawkeye from MASH, Alan Alda. Amazing people, inspiring stories. This is Growing Boulder. take a few minutes now to talk about one of the greatest ironies, disappointments, frustrations of our time. Here we are, Mark, in this era where there are more ways than ever to communicate by text, phone, the internet, and all these incredible places to do it, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Yet one of the biggest problems we face is a lack of meaningful communication. And that's all kinds of communication, social, political, family, relationship. It just isn't what it ought to be. Yeah, now more so than ever, Bill. And do you know who's fascinated by this entire topic and perhaps maybe even obsessed by it? One of the greatest actors of our time, Alan Alda. Hawkeye from MASH, Uh, and I guess it does make sense because who would understand the power of clear communication better than an Oscar nominee, a seven-time Emmy Award winner? He's created the Alan Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University in New York. He's written a new book called If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My (laughs) Face? And he's got a brand new podcast that we understand is fascinating. It's called Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda. Let's say hello to the man himself, uh, Alan, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. My goodness, uh, the energy, the passion. We, we, we admire what you are doing so much, and, and hopefully that intro captured some of that passion. Where did all of this come from? What inspired you to uh, either change this focus or make this focus so intense that we now all are aware of it? You know, I, I just followed my nose, followed my curiosity. I'm, I, I, 25 years ago, I started... Uh, the science program on public television called Scientific American Frontiers. And I did it just because I wanted to talk to scientists and find out about their work while the cameras were shooting us having conversations about it. And I realized that that brought out something that was human in the scientists. It brought out the human side of them. They weren't just talking about the technology of their work. And that made it possible for the people watching to understand it better. Because if I didn't understand it, I just would pull on their shirt sleeve and say, tell me again, I don't get that. What are you, what are you saying? And I, re- I did that with hundreds of scientists, and I began to realize that we could probably help other scientists have that personal approach and relate to the person they're talking to when they're trying to explain their work. So we started the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University, and then we realized, you see how this, this leads from one thing to another. <laughs> then we realized that doctors needed the same training to talk to their patients. And then people were telling us, you know, this training is saving my marriage because communication in a relationship is really essential. So the, I wrote a book that, that, that you mentioned that talked about the importance of and, and how we've learned to relate better in all kinds of areas, in selling, in negotiating, in diplomacy, in medicine, uh, raising money, most importantly in the family, mothers and daughters and fathers and fathers and other children. And, and so the next step was the podcast where I talk with 
really interesting, celebrated people. Like first one is Sarah Silverman, the next one is the great violinist Hitzhak Perlman. Today, someone you may not know about so well, Kate Boulder, who has a fascinating, very emotional, very funny story to tell about her illness and how people try to relate to her and sometimes fail in a funny, miserable way. So all of these conversations are just conversations, but they are stories that these very interesting people have to tell about how they relate better than they used to before. Look at what you're doing here, what you're undertaking at this stage of your life. And that's the part that we're the most interested in here on Growing Boulder, understanding that even at the age of 82, it is possible to, to reinvent yourself, to be curious, to want to make new discoveries. Talk to us, if you would, about age, how you look at it, how you deal with it, and, and what you've learned about it. Well, you, it's, you, well just now when you said that, I, I had an insight into that phrase, the phrase reinvent yourself i've 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 heard that phrase for decades and i think that what i've done and i just realized this a second ago what i've done is not reinvent myself i've rediscovered myself i've found myself being led by my curiosity and my interests in directions i didn't expect to go invention although a lot of invention is just a burst of creativity. The difference between inventing and discovering to me is that inventing is deciding what your plan is, and discovery is going down a path you never saw before, and suddenly there's the Pacific Ocean that nobody from Europe has ever seen before. And that's more interesting to me. Instead of deciding what I'm going to come up with, to find out what's in front of me, I get it from improvising. My training as an actor was in improvisational theater. And I think that's the way I've lived my life. And that's the way we do these conversations on Clear and Vivid. And that's why they have an unexpected flavor to them, because you don't know what's coming next. It's not planned in advance. And that that's more interesting to do and to listen to, I think. And that is why we are fascinated with you, uh, because you're so inspiring. You know, we could talk about Hawkeye and MASH, but, you know, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. Who cares? I mean, what's cool about you is that— Well, without MASH, you and I wouldn't be talking. Well, you know what? I'm not so sure, because here's a a very cool guy, and you you hit the nail on the head. It's your curiosity. It's your intellect. It's your willingness to not let your world get smaller, but to be curious about podcasts. And and what what a perfect— combination of your skill set and a new form of media to talk to people. I mean, let's be honest, your voice is is one of the most recognizable in the world, and all of this comes together. I mean, the podcast is the perfect vehicle for you. It's, it is funny. That a lot of people don't think the two ideas go together, to be 82 and to be doing a podcast. In fact, the, the, the millennial people who work with me on on the show referred to me as the world's oldest millennial. <laughs> we've been, in fact, we, we, we put a, a little video up on the, on the web that was edited by my, uh, my grandson uh, where, where the, everybody in the office makes fun of me for, for using uh, a- acronyms like LOL and R- ROTFL and that. <laughs> but I'm, it, those are, those are t- useful tools. Why shouldn't we all use them? There doesn't. I, I don't think. Uh, I think if you're curious and and interested in in what's happening around you, there's no distinction really between ages. Except there's something. There's a different point of view that's fun to find out about. I like to have a lot of young friends. I have older friends and I have younger friends. I met a woman, I was speaking in Washington at the, at the press club in Washington. There was a woman in the audience who was 101 years old who knew me from burlesque when I was two years old and my father was in burlesque and I was standing in the wings watching burlesque. I guess she was a chorus girl. And it, it was amazing, the energy this woman had. She, she could have been 30 or 40 years younger. And here I was meeting my own past from 
80 years ago. And, and we, we talk together as if we were contemporaries. So there's somebody at that end, and I have conversations with people on the, on the podcast who are at the other end, and we're all just exploring. We're explorers together. That's really all. The fun of exploring is a, is a human thing. We all, I, think, I think that's one of our traits. Otherwise, we wouldn't have walked out of Africa halfway around the world. Alan, you're an amazing guy, Mark, and I each have about 30 more questions we'd love to ask you. We're going to have to hold off on that for now. But his books are excellent, folks, and you've got to check out the new podcast, Clear and Vivid, with Alan Alda. You can find that all at alanalda.com. And, and boy, he, he's just got a way of crystallizing things and, and making them, just as he says, clear and vivid. So make sure you check him out. Up next, they were in their 70s and looking for something cool to do when they all decided to walk on the water. You're about to hear what happened next. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Located in West Orange County, Orlando Health's Health Central Hospital is a full-service hospital with a newly expanded ER as well as top-rated neurospine and orthopedic programs. Learn more at orlandohealth.com. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Bill Schaefer and Mark Middleton here on Growing Boulder. Most of us can probably stand to be in better shape. What? Why are you staring at me, Mark? But, you know, why does getting in better shape have to be so much like work? You know, where you've got to force yourself to go to the gym or force yourself to go on a diet. You know, here's the big secret, Bill, and it's really not that difficult. You really don't have to force yourself to do anything. What you have to do is find something that you'd love to do. And we met a bunch of friends from New Jersey. Most of these guys are in their 70s, and they never, ever go to the gym. However, they do go barefoot water skiing every chance they get. See how these little sissies get in the water? Okay, okay, this okay. is how a man gets in. That's what we do. We're the Jersey Boys. Corvus from New Jersey, and Don is our honorary member. Jersey Boys rule! Our feet are the most precious thing we own. We never touch our feet. We need those to walk on water. How many people can say they walk on water? It's when we get together and go crazy that things start to happen. We say, all right, let's try this. Um, Probably not a good idea. We do it anyway. And that's why we're here, really, to get away from what's going on up in Jersey, get down here, and just have fun. Hi, I'm Marty Levine. I'm an osteopathic family physician, and I'm 63 years old. I'm Don Simon. I'm addicted to barefoot water skiing. I'm 78 years old and love life. I'm Fred Steinbaum. I'm a retired medical oncologist. I'm 76 years old, and I really am addicted to water skiing also. Hello, I'm Dan Wicks, uh, Sparky, a.k.a., and uh, I'm a retired railroad worker, and I'm addicted to water skiing, barefooting. I'm Ron Kuntz. I'm 62 years old. I'm a maintenance worker, and I love barefooting. My name is John DeBellick. I'm 54 years old. I'm a self-employed master plumber, plumbing contractor in Wisconsin who water skis every day that it's physically possible. Ted Eisenstadt uh, from New Jersey, uh, 75 years old. And fortunate to have these guys as friends to keep me skiing.
Don, I like your new toupee for this shoot. It really looks good on you. How are you going to keep it on your head? The way nature put it. It grows every month, and I get it cut every month. That's and that's special glue. I don't have to use glue. I've got special skin that adheres hair to scalps that never changes. That's unbelievable. That must mean you have no testosterone. Just grab the bar, follow the boat. That's what you're supposed to do. Grab the bar, follow the boat. That's a lot to remember. I know. Would you, you go over that it. again? Go over that again, please. Grab the, the and and grab, grab the boat the and follow the bar. Yeah. I got it. We get expert instruction here. You may notice. Okay, do it again. them I mean to be their age and do that day in and day out I just hope I my body holds together that long so I can do that too but personally asked about our relationship I can't stand these guys I mean they are the worst pain in the ass they're fighting all the time TV watch oh I'm sorry but it's but but it's like you know how you hate your brother well they're sort of like brothers you know what I mean we can't stand them makes me laugh. It just makes me happy and makes me laugh. And it releases endorphins and it makes me feel good. I feel like I feel like hugging these guys. Can you imagine that? I feel I'm like hugging. Them. I'm getting in the boat. Passion. Passion. It's the addicting. It's not Passion. sort of like what he said. We don't go to the gym. I don't go to the don't gym. Go to gym. It's not about about staying trying to stay in shape getting older. You don't think about getting older. I mean, because, when, because when you're someone, living, you're doing what you're Right, are. it's yeah. fun. It's fun. Well, we do, go, we do go to the gym, but I usually sit out by the pool and just so I can see the scenery. <laughs> Like Don always says, there's never a bad day when you get to barefoot, you know? I don't know of any other sport that there's everybody that you meet is in really good shape. And there's a reason for that. It's because they're doing the sport. And it's not just physically. Right, and emotionally, what it does for you. When we go skiing, we, we forget about any kind of stress or pressure in our lives. Anything that would be bothering you that we'd be thinking about, because you can't think about that. You gotta think about what you're doing in order to do it well and not even fall or get hurt. Woo! Good run, guys. Hey, guys, it worked. I don't think about my age, and I don't think I'll ever stop. Don't you wish you could pass for 70 so you could ski with us now? <laughs> don't these guys make aging look like a blast? They are the barefoot Jersey boys in their 70s, active and looking forward to every day, most especially the days that they can get out on the water. So the question becomes, what's your version of barefoot water skiing? Don't you think it's time you got back to it too? Up next, more proof that it's never too late. Find out how a woman who never owned a pair of running shoes till she was 42 has become the first lady of Ironman triathlons. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... The Center for Health and Well-Being, opening in late 2018 in Winter Park, will bring wellness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. Learn more at wellbeingnetwork.org. Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingboulder.com TV for program listings and where to watch. You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer. Have you ever thought about, I don't know, starting a new hobby or a new diet, even a new career, but then in the back of your head, you start thinking, maybe it's too late to make a change like that. Well, you're going to love our next guest. She was a couple of years away from turning 50 when she entered her very first 
Ironman triathlon. Well, how about this? Now she's 74, and she's one of the most decorated triathletes in the world. And before you go off thinking this could never be you, check this out. She did not even own a pair of running shoes until she was 42. She'd never been in a lap pool. In fact, she never even owned a bicycle. Since then, she's won the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii 13 times. She holds the Ironman 70.3-mile course record in her age group, and she's the first woman over 55 ever to complete an Ironman in less than 12 hours, which she did at the toughest course in the world. She's even had her picture on the front of a box of Wheaties, so I have a feeling we're going to get some pretty good inspiration now from Cherie Grunfeld. How are you, Cherie? I'm good, thank you. Nice you, to be here. Do you, when you hear people talk about you and what you've done, do you sometimes do you wonder, wow, did how did I do that? <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what I do think about is I think about what if, what if I had never tried it? What if I had spent the rest of my life not knowing that I had this particular talent? If I had just been at home and not gotten out there, bought a bicycle, and given it a try. That I do think about. You know what's funny? We, we've done this show for, for a while now, and we have so many guests like you that really prove that, that you're not necessarily the exception, but somehow you, Sharif, figured out, I mean, because everybody listening knows that they should do more than they do, but how do you make that first step getting off the couch and giving something like that a try? How'd you do it? You know, um, I think it, it actually goes back really far in my life. I was raised before Title IX. So, you know, girls didn't have any kind of sports or activities that they could do uh, officially. And I used to kind of come whining to my parents saying, you know, my brothers are out there doing it. I want to do it. And my parents didn't uh, treat me very gently. And they said, you want to do it? Just go out there and mix it up with the boys. And I think that that, which I did, and I think that that taught me at a very early age that if you want to do something, just get in the game, just jump right in and give it a try. And so uh, when I was 48, I had uh, had a career and I was working hard and that kind of thing. I saw the LA Marathon on TV and I was sitting in my bed on a Sunday morning eating sticky buns and drinking coffee. And I looked at that and I thought, I want to do that. And so, you know, the alternative was just continuing to sit in bed eating sticky buns. And uh, I knew that I could if I just gave it a try. So that's kind of how I've lived my whole life. And then when this this Ironman thing, I saw a a magazine about it, and I thought, I don't own a bike. I don't do this kind of thing. I don't know anybody that does, but I want to do it. And I just jumped off the cliff. So it works for me. That's kind of the way I live my life. It's it's incredible. I, there, there's a second barrier, though. You know, the first one, just getting off the couch in the first place. The second barrier happens when, okay, so you try it and you start to feel good. And then after a while, man, the knees start to hurt and you get blisters. And, and Is that hard? Is that a hard stage to get past? Well, you know, um, it could be, certainly. But I think that coming to this this uh, extreme sport, if you will, at a later age that I brought with it and, and other people that do the same thing bring with them a certain wisdom that by that age I knew that I was not infallible and I knew that if I wanted to do this, I had to do it in a way where I protected myself and took care of myself. And so I've always been cautious. I've never been one of these people that will just go out and do you know more than I should earlier than I'm ready for. And so it's it's been okay for me. I've had most of my injuries and problems have come from bike crashes. And those, you know, you can't do too much about to avoid. They just happen. But I understand that I am I have the good fortune of having some good genes and so I don't really have a lot of knee problems and that kind of thing. But for people that do, I just ask them to try if if their knees don't allow them to run, go find something, go get on a bike. Get in a swimming pool. Try something that doesn't put that stress on the part of your body that you're having troubles with. And has it has it transformed not just your activities, but has it transformed your health? Well, uh, yeah, I suppose it has. Uh, I, I'm 74. I 
on no medications. I never have been. Um, I'm in very good health. Uh, I, quite frankly, I was. I think I've I've always kind of been in good health, but certainly it's kept me young. Um, I'm not. I don't suffer from many of the things that 74 year old people do. So definitely, it has it's kept me healthy. It's interesting in a way. I, I was going to ask you to describe two totally different people that you know in your own life. One was Cherie when she was before forty, and then Cherie in her mid seventies. And you started to do that, but but really, you're you're a different person from the things that you get involved in, from the thoughts that you have in your mind in the morning when you wake up. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. You know, I I realize that. Our time on this in this world is limited, and I intend to use every single day and every minute of every single day uh, doing something that makes me happy, that I think is good for me, and makes me productive. And that's what this that I'm doing uh, does for me. You know, I'm not sure how much your success emboldened you in life or gave you more confidence, but you did make another big change. You decided to make a difference for kids who are at risk. You founded an organization called Exceeding Expectations. Tell us why you did that. Oh, gosh, Uh, that is my passion. Um, I, I actually fell into it. It's pure serendipity. I was invited to speak in a school to a group of 200 fifth and sixth grade kids. That, and and uh, this happened to be in San Bernardino in a very, very poor area. And uh, I spoke with these kids, and I talked to them about setting goals and working hard and how it felt to accomplish these goals. And I showed them a little video of me doing Iron Man, and it was on, on one of the years where I was trying to break a, a new time record, set a new time record. And these kids got very involved with it. And to make a long story short, I started training just a small group of 12 kids just to do one, one little triathlon, a very short one. And I got bikes, and I trained them to swim, to, to bike, and I got runners for them and, and uh, swimmers for them. And this just blossomed and turned into a program that we called Exceeding Expectations. But our goal is not to make these kids athletes. Our goal is to get these kids educated because that is a silver bullet for getting them out of their environment and into a a new and productive life. And that's been going on for 17 years now. And we've got kids that are graduating, have graduated from college and kids that are in college. And it is, uh, it's the important thing that I do. It's the thing that makes makes a difference, I hope. You know, it seems like what you really do is you go around instilling confidence in everybody you meet. Like when you were growing up, there were very few, if any, examples of 74-year-olds like you. Mm -hmm. So uh, in our final minute, what have you learned about aging, about what's possible at this stage of life? Well, I I have certainly learned that we are all going to age, that there's no way to get around that. But I don't think we have to get old. Um, I believe that we can all, whether we're younger or older, we can all do more physically or, or in, in any way. Uh, we can all do more than we think we can. So if we just keep pushing the envelope, we're going to discover that we can continue to do great things. I certainly can't race as fast as I did when I was 50 or even 60, but I am still doing really, really well. And I intend to continue to keep doing really well, and I believe I can. So part of it is that you, you have to believe that you can do it, but you have to make the adjustments for how to do it at, as you get older. But you got to keep doing it. Whatever it is, you just have to keep at it. Cherie Grunfeld is inspiring, motivating, and boy, doesn't she have the kind of story that takes away all of our excuses and hopefully leads us all to take charge of our health and helping inspire us to live our lives to the fullest. And you can learn more about her and exceeding expectations by going to Sherry, C-H-E-R-I-E, Grunfeld, G-R-U-E-N-F-E-L-D.com. Thanks so much. Coming up, a renowned orthopedic surgeon and pioneering researcher who is changing the way we view and treat aging. That's next. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... 
The Masson Spine Institute, where world-renowned minimally invasive techniques lead to fast recovery. The Masson Spine Institute, excellence in spinal surgery. More information at MassanSI.com. Growing Boulder is on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to connect with the most inspiring people online. Surround yourself with the motivation needed to live large at any age. Well, don't believe everything you read or hear about the rapid and inevitable physical and mental decline of aging because the limits of possibility for the average person are being changed almost daily. And one of the world's leading advocates on active, engaged longevity is Dr. Vonda Wright, an internationally recognized authority on active aging and sports medicine. Boy, is she ever. She's an orthopedic surgeon, a speaker, an author, and a pioneering researcher who is changing the way that we view and we treat the aging process. She's an expert on maximizing performance and minimizing injury in aging adults. She's frequently quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the U.S. News and World Report. She's appeared on Dr. Oz, ABC, NBC Nightly News, PBS, CNN, and many, many more. She's also a contributor to Growing Boulder and the author of a fascinating and empowering article in the new issue of Growing Boulder magazine. Welcome, Dr. Vonda Wright. Hey, doctor, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you for having me. Well, we know you're busy. Thank you so much for your time. And as you and I have talked, Growing Boulder has been criticized a time or two for presenting what some like to call an idealized vision of aging. And we say that that is exactly the problem, uh, that our belief systems are screwed up, that we, in fact, are presenting a realized vision of aging, uh, and not for genetic super freaks, but for ordinary people. You are a renowned researcher. Do you agree? Is there more possible? Are we selling ourselves short in terms of what's possible? You know, you and I align perfectly with our hopefulness in the aging process. And when I started really thinking about this, I wanted to make sure that it just wasn't my opinion, that it was founded in good research. So over the years, I've done a uh, series of studies that really in summary show that there is never an age or a skill level that our bodies will not rise to the occasion with the challenges we put before it. We know that by focusing on simple mobility, and believe me, Mark, I am not a world-class athlete, never was, but even simple things like 30 to 40 minutes of movement a day, four to five times a week, can preserve our bone structure, our lean muscle mass, I did a study that took us five years, but we proved that we could preserve the executive function of our brain, those quick decisions that we like to make by simple things like purposeful exercise. So I don't think you nor I are saying you have to be a world-class athlete to age well. What we are saying is that we have to believe and try. It's a great point. And, and Dr. Wright, it's, it's funny, though, that a lot of us are just now getting to wrap our brains around the idea, you know, everyone gets it now, that walking is better than sitting. But more and more experts are now starting to acknowledge the importance of vigorous exercise as we age, which kind of goes against the grain. Where do you stand on the value of vigorous exercise? Well, I think uh, vigorous is... is um dependent on where we're starting, right? So if we're starting as a lifetime uh, mover, vigorous may mean, you know, a 70-year-old doing an eight, seven-minute mile, maybe a six. For people who have not stepped off the couch for 30 years, vigorous may be walking around the block, but you know what? I'll take it. Now, if you want to really look at what we're capable of and what we can stand Um, The first thing I recommend is anyone who has not been mobile for a number of years, get checked out by your primary care doctor and make sure that you can tolerate it. But once you have that clearance, I believe the sky is the limit. There are numerous studies and just anecdotal examples of people really getting moving in what was previously old age, because I want to, I want to, you haven't asked me this question, but I want to 
think about where we get this perspective that aging is this inevitable decline from vitality to frailty, I started looking at this because I realized that when you look at populations of Americans, at least, 68% of Americans do not invest in their mobility every day. So, of course, if you look at Americans aging over time, you're going to see this steady decline. But in populations around the world where they keep active and vigorously active, we see populations of very long-living people. So... To answer your question directly, I think once we get cleared, we can keep pushing ourselves and progressing through uh, aggressive stages of mobility because we're meant to move. The fact that we don't is a choice. I think we also share a fascination with Masters athletes, and mostly just because they do present this new test group other than the sedentary adults that have been used to document this inevitable decline. Uh, you've studied Masters athletes, uh, you, and when you do, doesn't it change the perspective on, on, on the decline, the arc uh, of, of vigorous life? You know, when you look at what is perceived as the decline, you know, it's, a, it's almost like a 45-degree angle down some kind of slippery slope from youth to death. When, and we spread the dying process out over 20 years or so, you know, this slow decline. But when you're investing daily in your mobility and smart nutrition and maintaining your social groups, and hopefully you quit smoking if you ever started smoking, and what you see is this steady state with a very slow decline. The first study I ever did was looking at, can we use performance times for track and field as a predictor of the aging process? And what we found was, and I was studying master's athletes, between 50 and 70, there was a very, very slow rate of decline of performance times, less than 2% um, per year. So what that means is that if a 50-year-old won the mile race at 417, which he did in the senior Olympics I studied, and the 70-year-old won the mile race in seven minutes, no one's getting lapped in that race. So we decline very slowly if we invest in ourselves every day. At 75, 80, we do start seeing the cumulative effect of, of the aging process. Sometimes the will to perform declines because, you know, frankly, we're 80 years old and we no longer want to race as hard as we did. But not until then. So I think anything short of our mid-70s, we're selling ourselves short. You know, that, that is a great point, and we're down to our final minute, Dr. Wright. Can you, can you give us a takeaway? Well, I mean, what is the moral of your story? You are an in-demand speaker, a motivational speaker of all sorts. So, you know, what, what's the message that you want to leave our audience with today in the final minute? You know, I think, I think the summary is that what I said earlier, Mark, there is never an age or skill level when our bodies will not respond to the challenges we put before that, whether it's our muscles our bones, our brains. We are dynamic living systems. And if we invest in ourselves every day, whether that's a walk, a vigorous run, a weightlifting session, or a social interaction, we will be surprised and happy at what our bodies will deliver to us in return. Yeah, I'm starting to get my running shoes now. So bubble wrap is not the way. It's the best of our intentions. You know, when, Mark, when a friend of ours hurts a knee or when a parent or something hurts a back, you, you oh, don't run, don't walk. Does it hurt to get out of bed? Don't get out of bed. But people like Vonda Wright are telling us that, that, no, the opposite is true, that in order to keep moving, you have to keep moving. She is an inspiring advocate for what's possible as we age. And she doesn't talk it. She walks it as well. You need to check out her books, Fitness After. After 40, How to Stay Strong at Any Age, and Guide to Thrive, Four Steps to Body, Brains, and Bliss, all available on Amazon or her website, VondaWright.com. Up next, remember Leah Thompson from Caroline in the City and Back to the Future? Well, this time, she's made a movie her whole family has a part in. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the UCF College of Medicine, where physicians, scientists, and teachers are discovering innovative solutions for today's medical challenges and bringing them to you. Learn more about the college's physician practice at ucfhealth.com. 
subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. How much time, quality time, do you spend with your family? You know, most of us really don't. You get up in the morning, you scramble to get yourself and everybody else ready to get out the door. Everybody goes their own way, and at the end of the day, you do it again. You converge, rush through some kind of dinner, scramble to clean it up. Everybody plops in front of the TV, the iPhone, the iPad, whatever you have, until you go to bed. Well, what would it be like if all of a sudden your family had to work on a project together? We're talking about a big project this morning, folks. Of course, you know the actress Leah Thomas. Thompson. She was the mom in Back to the Future. She starred in Caroline in the City. She was the mom in Switched at Birth and many other. Well, she has an incredibly talented family, and they made a movie. Her daughter, Madeline, 27, wrote it, stars in it, scored it. Her daughter, Zoe, who's 23, plays her sister. She also produced, along with Leah's husband. Uh, the film is as much about of a family project as it possibly could be. It's called The Year of Spectacular Men. How often do you hear a great conversation about family? Well, Leah is pretty amazing. Her family is spectacular. So let's find out more as we say hello to Leah Thompson. Leah, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for some of your (laughs) valuable time. Uh, I'm not sure I've really ever heard of anything quite like this. The film industry obviously has very, very strong family connections, but this may be taking it to another uh, level. Whose idea was it? Um, you know, I, I think it's mine, because um, Maddie is such a great writer, my daughter, and she just got back from college, and she was having this terrible year, and she was, frankly, a little bit depressed, and I always knew that she dealt with those things by writing, so I said, why don't you write something, write, it, write a movie? She wrote. She always wrote beautiful songs. She was a great jazz musician, great singer. So um, I said, why don't you write something? So she wrote. She just sat down and did it. Like, she wrote the script, and I loved it. And I've directed before a lot of TV. My shows switched at birth, TV movies I've done, and Mom. And um, But this, I had never directed a feature, which is a whole other thing, you know. So I, she was nice enough to say, okay, Mom, you think, go ahead direct us and I said but you got a star in it and she was like okay and um and then I said and your sister has to play your sister (laughs) uh Zoe Deutsch is a wonderful actress and um so we we proceeded to try to get it made and it took four years from when she started to write it to now to get it out so it's been a, a long uh interesting process and then of course we didn't have enough money for a score so I said Maddie you got to score the movie and write all the songs (laughs) write a bunch of songs (laughs) and uh she did that so it's been a really loving handmade personal grassroots project for sure well, Leah, you you also probably have to be one of the bravest mothers out there. I think if my if I if I challenged my kid to write a movie, I'm not sure what would come out. The Year of Spectacular Men. What came from Madeline's mind? Well, it's honest. It's frank. It's funny. It's uh, complicated. Um, it does pain you as a parent, you know, to see the things that your kid goes through. You want to protect them from life, but you can't at a certain point. So some of that was hard to read. You know, she uh, makes a lot of bad decisions in terms of men that she dates. And um, she, like I said, the character's kind of depressed and in the beginning and has to work through that. And so some of that was hard, you know, to see. It was, it's not just like a fluffy, happy tale. Um, but that's life. Life is messy. Life is full of mistakes. And um, what made me really happy was to be able to be part of a story that was written by a young woman for young women. Um, all the words that I ever spoke when I was an ingenue, when I was a young girl, were kind of written by men. I was kind of made to play the perfect girl um, so many times, their idea of what a, a perfect girl is. And that to be able to tell this story and all its messiness was 
particularly gratifying for me as an actress to to put that story out. So, um, and weirdly, uh, men have always loved the script. They 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 find it really refreshing to see the inside of a of a millennial woman's mind, like what's really going on in there. We're talking with actress. Oh, that's a long answer. We're talk- no, it's a great answer. We're talking with actress and now director Leah Thompson. And, you know, Leah, we love the story behind the story because we're, we're, we're always talking about growing bolder, not only as we age, but, but, but when we're younger. You encouraged your daughter to grow bolder and write a script to a film. Uh, your, your, your husband produced it. Your other daughter also stars in it. You directed it. What was it like? Were you nervous about becoming a director? Uh, uh, I guess I can say in your mid to late 50s now, right? Well, I've actually been directing for like 15 years now. I don't know. Um, Your so, first feature film, um, though, right? Yes. I was nervous because, mostly because I've been always, like I said before, telling other people's stories, trying to help them tell their story. So for me to, like, be, uh, and, and, and I, I can kind of be easily dismissed because I'm a nice Midwestern girl, and I've always kind of, I haven't really rocked the boat. I've always kind of uh, been a good egg, you know, hard-working egg. So for me to put myself out as an artist, as a as a creative artist this way, was uh, was a lot. You know, it it was very um, personal to me, and to do it with my daughters, who are my uh, greatest accomplishment. You know, to like put them out there with me. It's like I didn't want to disappoint them. They didn't want to disappoint me. So, you know, when a movie comes out, it's like a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of articles and a lot of reviews and things like that. So um, it's been very, it's, you feel very exposed. But no one more than my daughter, Madeline, who wrote it, and she did the music and everything. So it's a lot to go through, but we came through well, and I'm super excited about, about this next chapter in my career. Hey, Leah, let me, let me ask you one more thing. You know, you, you, you're encouraging or at least paving the way for your daughters to go through an industry that you know so well is not often kind to women, especially as, as, as you age or as the career moves forward. You've mm-hmm. been able to navigate this spectacularly. Are things changing? What is your life like at this point, and how does your career help sustain that? Well, you know, I think uh, for anything in life, it's a really you have to keep your family close, keep have good friends, not believe your PR, just continue to enjoy the actual day-to-day work that you do. Because it's, you know, someone was like, oh, Leah Thompson wants to make her daughters famous. I'm like, that is the furthest thing from my mind. What what fame is like ridiculous, but, but being an actual artist or a person or a communicator to put out, to work hard and put out put forth your heart and try to try to like you know connect people that kind of thing is is beautiful and I feel so lucky that I've been able to continue to do that through these whatever 40 years I've been a performer so um you know all I can say is that I hope to inspire people and I hope to for them to see this movie and say, that's me, or I know that person, or I feel heard, or I feel thought, I feel seen. And for me, that's what it is. It's not about all that other stuff. And I think it is getting better. I mean, they're trying to hire more directors that are women. But fun fact, only one, less than 1% of movies are scored by a woman. So Maddie is in the less than 1% category by scoring this movie. So some things are not changing fast enough. But um, but at least at least people are interested in hearing uh, honest stories about and for women, and that's what this is. So it uh, is. I'm the, proud of that. It is the first project from the fabulous Deutsch family, and hopefully not the last. Perhaps there will be much more to come. Please check it out, folks. The film is called "The Year of Spectacular Men," and what a great conversation with Leah Thompson. Thanks so much, Leah. Mm-hmm. 
Mark and Bill here to wrap things up for today. And you know, Mark, one of the questions we get all the time is, how does somebody start growing Boulder? And the answer is really different for every one of us. It depends on your interests, your passions, your health, and your circumstances. Yeah, and the challenge we all have is that we've all become creatures of habit. And the key is to turn off your autopilot. We have to stop going through the motions and start living with intent. Start by going to growingboulder.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder magazine. Like Growing Boulder on Facebook and watch Growing Boulder TV. See what a difference it makes to reignite hope, inspiration, and possibility in your life because that is Growing Boulder. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting, all rights reserved. This program was recorded live at the studios of WMFE Orlando. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Jackie Carlin, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producer is Katie Widrick. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula, and our most important team member is you. Remember, when it comes to growing bolder, it's not about age, it's about attitude. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty traps. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my maps. We'll meet on edges soon, said I.